Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Peace, brother. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? Doing I good. Can't I can't complain. How you, how's everything going during this uh, crazy pandemic? Uh, pretty wild. Um, I actually had a, uh, I had a friend's wedding that was um, on the Zoom meeting today, so I was just listening into that, like maybe like a couple hours right before touching base with you. But you know, just been trying to navigate. So uh, my lady and I started a podcast uh, around August of this year, um, just interviewing artists that we know and artists that we admire. And um, you were definitely one of the artists that uh, I just wanted to have a conversation with and pick your brain. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. For sure. I'm glad you sent me that reminder because I didn't see the email till last night. And I was mm. like, it was... Uh, reminder but i saw that you know it just had to be corrected but of course that that was handled no problem no problem so uh i guess we can just get started from here right well i just want to thank you for joining us today on uh creative habits podcast thank you for taking the time out to uh just have a conversation with me about your photography journey and um your career oh, thank you for having me so yeah i am Travis Howes, a photographer, videographer, and now proclaimed screenwriter now since mm. a new avenue that I'm starting as of now. And then, you know, working on stuff creatively, honestly, since about about 2003-ish, but not officially until about like 2010. Mm. So take us on a journey about your, uh, on your photography career. Um, what made you want to be a photographer, a filmmaker, and a screenwriter? Okay, so I was, I initially started like very hard interest in videography because I am, if you know me personally, you know, I'm a very major film buff when it comes to this. I'm very, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a major enthusiast of the movie theater experience. And I grew up in the movie theater and I knew my mom always wanted me to get be more into magazines and stuff, but it's like, no, I have to see things like, you know, in action and in person, because I've always mm. been that kind of person. Um, I think somewhere around 97, I think <laughs> of all movies, the one that really caught my attention was Titanic mm. from a technical standpoint, because it made me say, how did you make a boat like this, but big and feel alive? And I think somewhere after seeing Titanic, like I know everyone loves to talk about the romantic side of Titanic, but I feel like that is the film that from a technical standpoint made me want to learn more about it and just want to kind of create things on my own. It was very subconscious. And um, I didn't really start making films until about 2004 when I was around my friends and I used to run off with my mom's camera and just run down the street and just like, all right, we're just going to film whatever. And then mm -hmm. just burning them on dvd so we could just have those memories for fun that's pretty dope man um speaking of titanic i think they 
built the boat from scratch and they actually had like a big um i don't know how many gallon tank but they actually built the whole tank just for that set yeah yeah i remember seeing that um i don't remember the exact number but i do remember seeing it because i used to watch like the i used to watch like the making of it so i used mm-hmm. to see all the details that they added into like the the china the pallets like how the doors were set up like it was i was very like attentive to those things and just seeing that is just like it's one thing seeing it you know when it's like designed but it's another thing when it's like oh this is real this is like actually like elements coming together Mm, mm. so um how would you describe your photography and filmmaking style um i think it's very personal um to put it simply like a lot of my documentary work started off with just kind of making like personal for fun videos and then Mm. must have grown into personal experiences like you know creating or personal experiences like trying to find your way in certain things or what you do and um like the last couple screenplays that I wrote myself, like though they were built on the concept of, you know, just discovering and having like those personal relationships between characters. So I think I've always been really interested in what makes people want to create and what what's like the, you know, psycho psychology of making certain elements and what it says beyond just, you know, the surface. Mm, mm. Um, from what I remember, uh, for people who don't know we uh, actually went to school together and um i'm not sure if this was during school or after but um you worked with an artist named uh devin i believe yeah yeah i do and i still i still frequently work with him as well um i actually met him through a few other musicians that i worked with and it was during a uh, photojournalism project that I had to work on. And it was, you know, I, I needed to find artists that, you know, were active and doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen him just like frequently performing around a lot of different areas in the DC area. And I said, hey, I want to, you know, follow you around for like two, three months and I'll still be able to send you the pictures and everything else. And I used that as my subject for my father's journalism two project. And he really liked how the project turned out. And he said, Hey, you want to, you know, continue to follow around? It's like, yeah, sure. So it's been like that since then. So what was that process like um, following him around filming, um, taking the time to um, break down the footage and, and, and edit and, and make it a, a, a complete sequence? I think it was really on just learning who he is because it's different because when I was doing stuff for, you know, people in the past, I I knew them prior, but this was like the first time I'm like kind of going into the wind and trying to figure out the narrative around it and how things come together. So with the photojournalism project, I remember it ended up being the narrative of bringing together this music video for one of his songs and Mm. trying to figure out how, that song what that song could do and what it could craft into and it was it it took some time to figure out what it was because i think a lot of that time was just like you know i was shooting a lot of stuff but not i wasn't sure exactly how to bring everything together yet Mm. 
as time went on, then I said, okay, this is pretty much like what's going on with this project. And I remember I didn't finish it until like the morning it was due, which is usually the case. <laughs> but I felt like I at least had a better sense of by then, like, okay, this is a singer. He makes a lot of music that are ver- that's very eccentric. And then also mm-hmm. it it's just trying to find the audience of it. And then where does it, where does it go after that? So um, how did you, once that project was done, did you go back, reevaluate and think of things to improve on the next project or future projects? Yeah, I did. Um, I ended up doing another one relatively akin to that with him, like maybe a year or two later. And um, that was following another song they did um, that actually ended up on the radio. But I think this time I actually knew a little bit more about like getting talking points in between time of what, you know, what does this mean? Or how do you feel about this? And I think the most important thing about doing that is learning how how these things kind of come together and what you learn from it as well. Cause I feel like I'm very like, and usually I, after I edit something, I'm usually like, all right, I'm over it. And I don't really go back to it, but I know mm-hmm. like how many times I've seen it, but I knew with the following project, I knew that it had to be, you know, develop certain things a little bit more and also be able to not be afraid to pull things back if it's not as important. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do any type of like uh, research for that project? Like, um, did you check out any films or music videos to, uh, I guess, gain inspiration? Um, I, I did a few. I think around that time, I started having a little bit more of a kick towards learning about, you know, just filmmaking and just like also documentary style work as well. Mm. And I, you know, studying within that respective genre also plays a major difference in, you know, how to navigate certain things as well. Because it's so easy to say, okay, I'm not going to research anything. I'm just going to do my thing. And then you just mm-hmm. like, it's, it doesn't sit the same way. Yeah, I, I could definitely agree. Um, documentary style projects um, are extremely different than others because they take sometimes years to do, you know, four or five years, you're following this uh, uh, specific subject. Um, Do you prefer documentaries or do you prefer um, full length feature type films? Um, I think I've, I think I would probably lean towards more features because I feel like it gets more time with it. Mm. Um, I'm glad that I did get a chance to do it. I've done, you know, several short features. And I think as time has gone on, like as much as I appreciate them, I can acknowledge like, okay, there's, you know, I need to do something more or expand certain stories more. And it's just like the natural want and need to try new things. Mm. From what I remember, you're extremely hands-on with like, every part of the process from filming to editing to um, burning it on the disc and making your own um, disc uh, cover and all that. Like, what's that process like? What what got you into having your hand in every every aspect of it? 
Um, I think the first thing is not having like with when you're making like a lot of smaller projects, you don't have as big of a team of people to say, okay, we need this, we need that, and all those other elements. But mm. when I started getting to a point where I said, I, I personally like I looked at my shelf a lot because um, on my shelf in my room I have like countless DVDs and Blu-rays and all the and any kind of format you can think of. Mm. My attitude was always like, I want to see my work look just as good as that. So a lot of it is taking the time out to learn how to create these things and also what to do with that. So I've always, with any major project that I do, always try to get physical releases of it because Mm. I learned the hard way growing up in high school that backing up is severely, severely like, you got to have your stuff backed up because I've had so many projects of mine that just, I don't have access to them or their or the quality is just not as good. Like I remember mm-hmm. I've been spending most of the time in the pandemic trying to archive some of the old DVDs from like high school, but I have like at least a good 70% of them, but like the other ones are either like so like scratched up to the point that I can't save them or I just can't find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean about uh, backing up projects, man. You have to have like two or three hard drives just for one year, just for for all the stuff you have to back up. Um, So do you mainly shoot digitally? Um, This is for a photography question. Do you mainly shoot digitally or do you you dabble in film as well? I used used to do a lot more film, but the problem is because it's a lot harder to find developing sites in the area right now. That's mm. why I haven't really done it as much. I feel like I love, I personally prefer film, um, but it also still depends on the project, of course. But being able to shoot with film, it's one thing uh, about dealing with, all right, well, you can, there's like a certain tangibility, there's a certain texture to, way, to the way they're shot. But also, it forces the hand to be more mindful of you have a lot more limited frames. Like yeah. Even in my camera right now, like I could shoot a good thousand images on one card, and that's at the highest quality. But when you're shooting with a 35 millimeter, you're only getting about 24, maybe 36 frames. Mm. So you have to really be mindful of that. Yeah, and... um. I try to dabble in film as well. I just bought um, I'm a Minolta from a, a thrift shop. And when I took it out in the field, I kept catching myself trying to look at the back of it to see <laughs> the, the image, but it wasn't there. So I'm like, okay, I have to reanalyze and, and really take my time and really contemplate what type of image I'm trying to capture before I do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what type of gear do you use? I use, I have a few, I am very much like strictly Canon. Um, I do like Nikon, but I've just always been on the Canon side of things since I've grown up. Um, I have a Canon 5D Mark II. I also have a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200 lens. So I have that variety in there. Um, external flashes, soft boxes, light meters like you know just relatively like the technical stuff like that 
Mm, so no like big strobes, no Godot strobes or anything? Um, no. And honestly, like I've I've figured out a way for myself how to navigate without having a strobe. And a lot of that is because I'm able to use my external flash like a softbox and mm. just setting it up basically setting it up in like a softbox dome and just like throwing it inside it may not be as powerful but it's also still effective in getting the most the point across essentially Mm, okay okay um from your point of view this this is two questions what makes a good picture and this is a movie question what makes a good film I think it has a lot to do with your perception of it. Mm. it. Like, I can watch a movie, and if it's technically just not right, it can be still the story, and it can still work. I can say, all right, you had the potential. You it, you just didn't have that much there, but I can still admire you, the effort of getting it across. And when it makes a good picture, it's really just about what it is that you're doing within that respective genre, which kind of falls back to that as well. Like I can see a portrait and I say, okay, well, what does this portrait say? Is it, there's a lot of different things from a, I think it's maybe because I've come from an art criticism background as much, Mm. but a lot of it is really boils down to what is it that you're trying to say within that? And we can sit here and talk about the conversation about, oh, uh, I don't have this to make it work. I don't have that to make it work. Or, oh, it's so great. Like, I remember one kid who apologized to me over and over again when he said he was song because he said, hey, the quality isn't, it's not great. It's kind of a lo-fi kind of sound. I said, that's not a problem because it kind of works like that. Mm. It really boils down to just what you're doing with the frame that you have. Because you can have a $20 microphone or a $20 camera and still get an amazing shot. It may not look like, you know, like an SLR or just depending on whatever you're doing, but it really just boils down to how you use that. And I think that that's sometimes I always try to tell people, like, even if you don't have the high end stuff, you can still make it work. Like mm. there's some movie, there's some albums right now that are winning album of the year. And they're done, you know, recorded in someone's bedroom. Yeah, yeah. A lot of photographers think, well, a lot of new photographers think that you're supposed to get the latest gear. You're supposed to have a hundred different lenses. You're supposed to have strobes and this, that, and the third. And um, the greatest photographers I know only use one camera, and they only use probably one uh, prime lens and they get some of the greatest images ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get your first client? Oh, um, I think it was a family member, if I'm not mistaken. And we were, uh, they saw that I was doing photography and I was like, hey, well, why don't you just shoot some stuff for us? And it kind of like snowballed through that um, format. I didn't really have like the chance to, I mean, like looking back on it now, like I knew that I did a lot of things technically wrong. Mm. But I think that just being able to have that opportunity is what made the difference. And I think, and I actually, 
like shortly after that, I ended up getting commissioned by my high school to photograph the high school graduation about a year after leaving there. So being able to have that just was like, okay, so I can actually make money towards this. And, you know, there are people who are actually interested in what I'm doing. Mm. So what type of research did you do to improve your photography? Um, A lot of it was just learning from what, like just being able to listen to my own critiques within my own head sometimes. Mm. So I think that the the issue that I had dealt with was always like looking back on shoots, like, man, I wonder if I should have got this other shot or do this other things. And then as time went on, I said, okay, I need to actually listen to that. What is it that I'm asking myself after the fact? And how can I answer those questions before I'm actually shooting it? So I don't have to worry about it like during like just being within it. Because in your mind, you're just like constantly going whenever you're working. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how do you make money from photography? Um, you make a lot, you make the easiest way to make money is to have a really good clientele. I think mm. it's so easy to it's it's easy to get people because I feel like everybody's going to need photography in some aspect, whether it's a graduation, a family event, a wedding, an engagement, or just people just looking to update their profile images. There will, I, I would find it hard to believe that there will never not be a need for photography, at least for some years. Mm. But I feel like what really makes a difference, and I've always told people, is that if you want to continue to make a living, you have to be accessible to an, a degree within, you know, the audience that you're marketing yourself to. Mm. So how do you deal with people who contacts you for work, but they don't want to pay? <laughs> um, I just, I mean, there's so many ways that you could go through it, but I always try to keep the attitude of just because they don't pay today does not mean they won't be willing to pay you tomorrow. Mm. So I try to be mind, mindful of the factor of, okay, just so you know, this is what it is. And I think, because I've spent so much time and built up a lot of that, I think I don't get that question as much as I did when I was younger. Mm. But I mean, every once in a while, it still comes up. Like I had that happen earlier this year, I think around March or April, something like that. But I think what happens is when you build up that repertoire, then it's like, oh, you know, I know you're like here. But I think what I always try to tell people is like, you know, photography is not cheap. It's not. It's not a process. Like, it, like, I can't tell somebody over and over again, hey, well, it took, I'd spent $2,000 on my camera and I got, I spent 1600 on the lens itself. Like, because that's not going to register. It's like, hey, you made that decision for you. What is this decision going to do for me? Mm -hmm. So when I, when I used to think about that, I just said, okay, well, I'll just say that this is just not something that could happen right now, but I'm not gonna, you know, turn my nose up and wait, unless it's like a repeated effort, then it's like, look, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, I definitely uh, deal with that a lot. Um, a lot of people, especially on social media, reach out and say, hey, would you like to work? Or uh, you'll gain recognition if you do this type of project, but 
photography is a, a very expensive career, man, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. e- explain your workflow. Um, I have, like, at any given time, there's always, like, at least, like, one image, like, one photo set that I'm, like, constantly working on. Like, I even did something today, for example. But usually when I, um, when I meet with people, I just say, hey, what is it that you're looking for? And then we get, and after the schedule, I, you know, come over there, shoot what we need to within the allotted time that we suggest. Usually after I do a shoot, like depending on the day, usually within the, that same day or the day after, I set up what I call like a private like link. So then that way they can look through the images mm. because it, it, it helps a client a lot easier. It makes them feel a lot easier or at ease that you're going to send them, you know, really good like images that they like themselves because essentially they're coming to you for the service. And after a while, I, I stopped trying to do the blind game of, all right, I'm just going to shoot it and I'll make the best decision. But then sometimes they'll say, well, you know, is that the only ones you have? And then, but then I started learning more to explain better what it is that, you know, this is what we have and this is what I want to see your thoughts about. And I can always step in at any moment to say, hey, well, what do you think about this look or that look? And it kind of makes things a lot easier for everybody. Hmm. Hmm. Definitely. Um, if you could take your art in any direction without fear, failure, or rejection, where would it lead you to? I definitely want to do, and this is kind of like a personal, like, I would love to do this. I would love to do like some, like a very eccentric sci-fi movie. Mm. I don't know how how much you follow um, a lot of sci-fi movies, but their films like Ex Machina, Annihilation, Arrival, Blade Runner, like those kind of like films where they may seem like you have no idea where you're going or anything that's happening, but there's something like to talk about in between it. Like I've always loved like those kind of movies. I feel like it's never just all right, you just watch it once and that's it. Like, get over it. It's always like, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? And was it a lot of things? And I think that that's really what I want to do. Like, I, I want to make things that you can't just make a decision on the first glance. Like, all right, I don't like it. Or, oh, I like it. Mm. Yeah, I definitely love uh, sci-fi movies myself. Um, my favorite one is, uh, what is it called? AI? Yeah, 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 like that. The way they 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 produced that movie was so beautiful, and um, it just had me thinking about where would we be in the future a hundred years from now, three hundred years from now, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I like the insurgence of Afrofuturism because when when you see a lot of sci-fi movies, you don't really see people like us in the future. Mm-hmm. you know and um you have things like lovecraft country that's combining the past and 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 afrofuturism and 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 it's just shedding light on that we will that there are like black people who are into sci-fi and stuff like that yeah no i totally agree 
And I think that 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 also kind of goes into how I want to handle it. Like I would love to do something that's like not necessarily big in terms of Afrofuturism, but just like in the sense of like kind of like a mid-tier kind of budget level film where it's like you get those hints of it just enough. And I feel like there is that interest in Afrofuturism now. Like I think Black Panther was something that really kind of sparked that interest, whether, mm. you know, I know everybody has their different opinions on it, but I feel like how many other films do we see involving Afrofuturism at all, really? Mm -hmm. Especially on that level. Like, it, the closest thing we can think of is either in a book. I mean, Lovecraft Country is definitely like, uh, I think it gave the, the story writers a confidence that, you know, a story like this could exist with Black characters. And I think that there are a lot of those like springboard like okay this was really successful now we're willing to say okay well what about this or what about that mm -hmm. do you um enjoy like horror movies at all um i tend to but it, when i do they're like not like the all right i'm here for the jump scare kind of story like i i watched hereditary and midsommar recently also as well so those are like tend to be the wheelhouse a little bit more, not like the typical, like, like the jump out kind of movies, to put, to put it simply. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a, a great science fiction movie on uh, Amazon Prime now called uh, Black Box. I don't know if you've seen it yet, mm -hmm. but um, it has Felicia Rashad in it. And um, I forget the main actor's name, but um, it's a very interesting movie, man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely keep that in mind. Um, what type of music do you listen to when you edit? I am all over the place when it comes <laughs> to editing. It it really honestly boils down to what I'm editing and what the genre of the the project is. Like mm. I I always like telling people like if I'm editing something for fashion, then I'm gonna find like fashion esque kind of music because it kind of mm. more of a sense of what I'm looking out for. When I'm editing for something a little bit more portraiture, I can kind of listen to whatever I want to. Like, I don't have to feel as locked down into it. But then when it comes down to something that's a little bit more eccentric, then it's like a little bit more minimalistic. So, um, yeah, it's just really anywhere and everywhere at the same time. Yeah, I think... Um I can agree the the type of music that I listen to when I edit uh photos bring the type different types of um emotions within that frame if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um nowadays almost everyone has access to a device with which it is possible to take pictures. What do you think the difference between um what do you think the difference between a professional photographer and a hobby photographer? I think it's really about how you, like what your, your composition really. Because mm. I've seen, you know, there's some people who are hobbyists, but they're really good at, how, at hiding the hobby. Like they mm. just know how to frame things really well. Um, but I think what really makes a difference is like how you shoot things, how they're composed. And it's really just, it, you'll, you'll know when you look at something, 
Like you can look at something and say, even if you don't like it, I know they actually cared about creating this. Mm. So I think it really just plays out into how it's done. But I've seen certain people where I'm like, is this really your best shot in there? But I just, I, I personally don't interject because that could be their best shot. So I can't really speak on their behalf. It's, it's troubling that the Instagram age that we're in now a lot of photographers or hobbyist photographers, um, their work look almost the same. It's like one person is following another, you know, um, whether it's portraits or scenic shots or landscapes. It's, it's, I think the problem is a lot of new photographers or wannabe photographers go to YouTube and they learn from specific people and, it's like a it's like indistinguishable like nobody has their their mark anymore you can't tell who did this picture from who did this picture it all looks like the same person have you noticed that um i i tend to yeah i think a lot of it is crafted over the concept of just how you know following what's you know familiar and what will naturally get a reaction or at least mm. the believe we'll get a reaction so because of that it ends up being like all right well we're just going to do this because it's not necessarily the best option or a more genuine option but it's just the option that i know will get the response that we believe that they need Mm -hmm. um among your works which is your favorite um there was one that i shot a few years back and I, I remember my reaction to it because I'm relatively, honestly, kind of poker face when it comes to certain shots mm. I'm shooting. But there was this one model. Um, this was about 2014. And it was the first time working with this model and this stylist. And we came up with this idea that she had like this like wedding gown on. And we were like, all right, well, we we're going to try to flip it up in the air and see if it comes out. And usually I... I'm usually afraid of shooting shot images in motion because I usually don't know if it comes out right. Mm. And we did one, we did one run of it, and I think it was like about like eight, eight or nine shots continuously. The very first shot was it, and I was like, "Ah, uh-uh, we got it. We don't need to do no more." <laughs> but like I usually don't go to that zone, but that was that in that moment in time, I I knew. And I think you may have seen it before, but mm. yeah, like. As soon as I saw it, I was like, no, we got it. We'll need to do it again. Anyway. I've definitely been following your work for years, man. And um, from when I first seen you to what you're doing now, you have progressed and and become a photographer that I really admire, you know, especially in this area. Um, the work you do is, 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 is simply incredible. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Man. No problem. Um, how realistic is it to pursue a photography career? It, I feel like it's, it's doable. I think it's just really like, like I said, just knowing the audience that you're creating yourself for, because it, there's some people who say, well, I'm just going to create it. And then they don't really think about the what or the why or, or the who for that matter. You know, mm-hmm. I think that if you don't have that, you know, 
in mind, then it's going to be really hard for you to navigate, you know? Have you had any struggles in the past that made you want to give give up photography and film all altogether? Absolutely. I think if you, the more you engross yourself into anything, like that conversation can come up at least once. Mm. And a lot of that is not because you don't believe in yourself or what it is you're doing or how you're creating, but it has everything to do with, you know, spending so much time and then really just asking yourself the honest question of, am I going in the right direction? So what keeps you going? I think just being able to step back and look and see like, all right, well, I'm actually doing better. I'm actually getting, you know, responses. Cause there was a period in time where this is like maybe a few years back where I just kind of stopped responding to emails and stuff. And it wasn't that I didn't want to, it's just that I just didn't have, I just had to ask myself this serious question of what it is that I'm doing and what do I want to continue to do or continue to create, I should say. Mm-hmm. Definitely know what you mean, man. I, it's almost like writer's block in a sense. Um, but with photography, um, it's like you want to create, but you don't know how or which way to go about creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely along the lines of that. And just really knowing, like, am I repeating myself? Am I doing the, am I doing this also for the right reason as well? Because that really put, comes into the conversation a lot. Hmm. Um, which is one of your favorite lenses and why do you prefer it? I prefer the 70 to 200 because I feel like it allows the depth of field to really like really show off. I think it kind of gives like a much more of a personal look. Mm. It is the heaviest lens that I own by far. And sometimes I hate even just holding it because it's that kind of heavy. But it's also the one that I feel like I've gotten images that I'm the happiest with, really, Mm. more often than not, I should say. Because I'm not really, like, I do a lot of wide angle shots, but not as often as it seems, you know? So no... uh... 35 no nifty 50 that nice bouquet in the background <laughs> um I, I i i still have the admire for the 35 and the 50 for sure it's just that i i i like to improvise a lot so i found myself whenever i was using a lot of like fixed lenses i know a lot of people love fixed lenses and i totally get it i just find myself a little too restricted when I do use those lenses. So that's why I kind of stopped. So I started slowing down with them really. Mm. Um, I, I think I can agree with you on that. Um, maybe it's just per- personal preference. My main lens is uh, a 50 millimeter. Um, I want to go into a 85 pretty soon once I get the money for 85, but um I'm using mostly Sony now. Sony uh, has really uh, the colors. It's not that great, but the the lightness of the camera and the easy accessibility of the camera is 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 really appealing. Okay, yeah, uh, I dig that. Yeah, because I've been trying to find you know new avenues and new cameras to work with because I just don't want to stay in the same camera for the rest of my life either. 
I'm pretty sure after long days of work, your neck is hurting from <laughs> having all that hardware on. Oh yeah, no it does. Like usually, that's why like I've been trying to minimize the amount of time that I'm shooting. Not because I don't want to shoot more. It's just that one, it gets heavy, and then two, like you have like you're shooting like if like even with what I shot today, like I shot maybe about 200 images, and that took up like at least seven eight gig. Mm. It just like it takes up so much space over time that like. It's just being mindful because I like to hold on to the raw files of like a lot of the shoots I do. So I'm like, all right, anytime I'm actually doing these shoots, I need to be just mindful of like how much am I shooting and why am I shooting, you know? Mm-hmm. So you shoot both raw and JPEG or just raw files all together? Oh no, just straight raw for me. Like I, I've, when I, I do sometimes for JPEG, like for the quick accessibility, but sometimes like, I just feel like it would just take up more space. Yeah. Mm. Have you um, ever showed your work at like any art shows or like presented your work in that manner? I have. I, I've i done a few things. I did one art all night event. Um, I actually had one earlier this year for the DC Funk Parade, which was since they didn't have it this year, obviously because of COVID. Um, they ended up having like a small private event. So I had my stuff in there. I've done Street Meet DC. I did, there was this other art gallery back in um, in Georgetown called Mocha DC, which is long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that was like the first one I did back in 2010. And now with me, you know, submitting my stuff, like some of my older films to the festivals, I've had them featured in a couple. I had earlier this year, I was in the Pan-African Film Festival for the music video for Devin White. Mm. And then last year was for, there was another one in New York, but I couldn't make that one because I didn't know about it until like the very last minute. Nice, nice, nice. Um, Is there any photographer or filmmaker, director, anyone out there that you consider an idol that you like gained inspiration from? I really liked um, my first introduction to like wanting to learn about like creatively is Henry Carter Brisson, who is a longtime photographer that is definitely no longer here with us. Mm. But he taught me a lot on the concept of the decisive moment that a lot of photography is built on the moment of you knowing when the time is right for a creative standpoint to say, okay, now I need to take the picture here. And this is what it's, what my story has been trying to convey this entire time. So mm-hmm. a lot of that is built on that concept and that idea. Um, would you have any plans in the future of just putting your work inside of a book or anything like that? Um, yeah, I do plan on that um, sometime in the near future. I think a lot of it really just depends on when I have a concept that I want to, you know, continue to convey because I think it's so easy to say, okay, I think my biggest thing is just learning when is the good time because I feel like constantly, I'll, as soon as I do the book, then it's like, okay, I want to add some more stuff in. All right, I'm going to add more stuff in. And it's like, you never really feel like it's done. So I just, it would just have to be a time I would have to be comfortable with saying, all right, this is it, I'm done. 
I'm not moving. I'm not touching it anymore. Mm. Do you prefer shooting out in the field or do you prefer studio work? I prefer out in the field because I feel like studio is good for, you know, an hour, maybe two, depending on like what all you're doing. But I feel like it matters so much more when you're out in the field because it gives you a little bit more flexibility of what you want to do and how you want to handle things. Mm. Okay. Um, what were you about to say? Oh, I was just saying that's just me personally. Mm. Um, I think it's more challenging to work out in the field, especially um, if a client chooses 12 o'clock PM, uh, PM or something when the, the sun is at its highest and you have to figure out how to, how to soften the shadows and, and put uh, uh, something, make a, a, a soft light source to like, you know, complement their features and stuff like that, man. I, I love being out in the field. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that time, it makes such a big difference. And I've had people who openly say, okay, well, it's overcast. I guess we can't shoot today. I'm like, no, so if anything, that's actually better for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one last question. What does photography mean to you? Oh, I got two questions, but this is one. What does photography mean to you? Photography means to me that moments can be frozen in time. I know mm. it sounds like cliche statement but it is something that can actually happen and I think that a lot of times we're just building you know as photographers we're really just trying to create a certain moment a certain mood a certain idea a certain reflection of who this person is in that moment and I feel like you know videos can do that as well but I feel like that that photography just like literally freezes everything and says this is what it is and nothing else matters in that moment time mm. yeah i see a lot of similarities between film and photography because you know film is just a 120 frames per second <laughs> you know what i mean it's a bunch of pictures just going really fast and um it's hard to for me well there's a lot of good films out there and it's, there's a lot of junk but it takes a real master to convey a certain message or image of a film the same way a, a photograph will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've seen a, a post that you did uh, not too long ago, I think about uh, last year, 2019. How many films did you watch that year? <laughs> I watched over, um, I actually have the the liner. So I, I've been doing like this personal challenge where it's not really any specific goal, but just to say like, all right, let me at least try to see if I can watch feasibly 100 films in a year in that time frame. And I started doing that in 2018. Mm. Um, I didn't beat it, obviously, in there, but... Uh, the year after, I ended up making 103. Yeah, 103. Um, and that was just like constantly just watching stuff in between the day or in between the night. That's movies and anything else. I would only count the films that I haven't seen because I feel like that's more important as opposed to 
you know, saying, oh, well, I saw this movie, like, how many other times? Because there would at least be another 15 to say, oh, I already watched this already. Mm. This year, I am at, so far, I'm at number 94, but I'm hoping by the end of this month that I could actually finish it because, well, the pandemic isn't going anywhere. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you have a lot of time to catch up on your films. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely, I got at least a good 60 with, the moment the pandemic hits jesus <laughs> it's, it's actually not as hard if you just like as long as you have like a bit of a cue of saying okay i need to see this i need to see that mm. and you know just having access to it like it's it it seems like a lot but it's something that can be done relatively quickly yeah i could definitely see that um how can people reach you and uh maybe book you for future services um, so I have my website, which is basically just my name, which is T-R-A-V-I-S-H-O-U-C-E. On social media, it's pretty much all the same at Travis House. And that includes Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're pretty much everywhere. Perfect, man. I just want to thank you again for joining me and, and, and talking to me about your journey and your career, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And anytime, as always. Cool, man. Hopefully sometime we can work together in the near future. Yeah, yeah, I know. We haven't we haven't worked in like a while, so hopefully everything will time more wise, everything will come together again. For sure, man. For sure, man. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here, man. Peace. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in into today's episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here is your quote of the day. The best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and have a good day, people. Peace.